is a solo mofo on the radio. That's right, 301-230-0980. Russell going to be starring in a edition of Chris Russell Home Improvement as he sits at home today. Getting some significant work done to the home front. He will be back with us on Monday for a 9 o'clock start as we'll recap uh, the sports weekend coming up on Monday. And ironically enough, as a sports fan now, you find yourself, and once, once football season is over, you find yourself, unless you're like a diehard dimwit like I am, you know, I know where all the sports programming is. I know where to go find it. I know what I'm looking for. Okay? But you may not necessarily know the TV guide as well as I do. You may not necessarily know where to find all the NBA, the college basketball, the hockey. You name it. I'm going to look for it. I'm watching. I mean, obviously, I broadcasted a game last night. Heartbreaking loss for Navy as American gets a great win. I mean, we'll talk about it. 1135, Matt Rogers. I did a little four or five-minute conversation with him after the game. Local product. Uh, from up in the uh, Frederick County area. I mean, AU was so shorthanded last night, and yet they still persevered and found a way to get it done. I've seen this happen two nights in a row now. Lafayette's women had six players the night before. They won the game. Don't don't use excuses. Just go play. Okay? Don't use an excuse. Doesn't matter what sport. Doesn't matter whether you're in business or not. If you're ailing that day, if you take your rear end to work, go just go do the work. Get it done. You know, today, Russell's not here. I'm going to get it done. Uh, Me and you, we're going to get it done over three hours here today. So, heartwarming story as to why hockey and maybe other sports should take a page out of the hockey book. Maybe some other sports should stop taking themselves so CIA seriously and take a page out of the hockey book. We'll talk about that coming up. At 11.25 this morning, very heartwarming story surrounding a capital who was traded this past week. But right now, coming up, we're, we're, try, we're efforting to get Glenn Consor with us uh, if our phones will cooperate. Because if our phones don't cooperate, it's me talking to you for three hours. That's going to be a lot of fun, I promise. Um, last night, you know, here come the Wizards again. No Monte Morris, DeLon Wright, fantastic. Fantastic last night. Yeah, and when you look at the scoring line, well, you know, he didn't have 30 points like the other players did. No, that's that's a great observation. But you know what DeLon Wright does? DeLon Wright plays defense, and DeLon Wright last night had 11 assists. So you know what he did? He made sure the people that had to get the ball got the ball. He made sure they got the ball. And they and and the results are good. And here come the Wizards. Every time the Wizards come knocking at 500's door, you can hear, I, I would knock, except my dog is going to start barking because I'm doing the show from home today. But as soon as they knock on the door of 500, they're good, they, they lose four in a row. I mean, it, it's like clockwork this year. Every time that's happened, a losing streak has been sure to follow. How do they avoid that this time? Hopefully we can get Glenn on the line and talk to him uh, about that because, I mean, look, th- this this group has tantalized us at times. You know, Beals, scorching fourth quarter performance the other night. 
gets 37, closes it out, brings them behind from behind on the road. That that's that's what we pay. That's what our guy earned that paycheck for, because he has the ability to do that. Do we get do we get stupid mad that he doesn't do it every night? Of course, of course, we want our superstars to deliver at all times. No question. But Brad understands that. You know, Brad's biggest issue is is his body cooperating with him to stay on the floor. Because if that happens, maybe we do get that more. Because Kuzma, Porzingis, those guys play hard as hell too. You know, Chris Stapps has been a little – his body's had to be managed uh, a little bit more here of late. But, again, when you can keep those three guys on the floor – then this this team has at least got a shot most nights when they walk in the arena. I mean, how many times have they had a big lead on teams this year? I mean, you got to be pretty decent to get the big lead in the first place. Now we just got to get them to figure out how the hell to keep it. I mean, think about all the big leads they've they've given up this year. They'd be five or six games above five hundred. They'd be five or six games above five hundred, and and we'd be talking about them potentially being in the top six in the Eastern Conference. Right now, it's a club that's still struggling to maintain themselves in, in the top ten. But, I mean, Kyle Kuzma, it's his ninth 30-point game of the season last night for Washington. You know, poor Zingas, when, when he's been healthy, man, he's, he's really provided uh, a lot for this club. The ability to go inside and out. Heck of a play on the baseline for the Thunderous Jam last night. Bring it, bring it big fella. And thus, it takes a little bit of the pressure off Brad. One thing Brad has has not had the last couple of years is a lot of guys to take the pressure off of him when he has been healthy and can play. It's been all Brad or bust for the most part. Now we got some legitimate help out on the court for him. And again, last night's one of those tantalizing games where you're going, oh, yeah, I like this. This is good. This is good basketball. But now the question is, will they avoid that three-game losing streak that has been sure to follow. I mean, it, it, it has followed every time they've gotten within two games of the 500 mark. So hopefully uh, we'll get that uh, from this team. They'll get over the hump. And obviously you you want them to – I mean, you know where they're going to end up in the playoffs. They're going to be playing one of the good teams. So it could be an early exit. It could be. But at least deliver on what we're trying to promise here. We're trying to promise a team that's going to play in the postseason. You know, even if you get a Wimbayama, is that guy going to come in here and, and lead you to uh, an NBA championship? Does it help you in the Eastern Conference? I mean, sure, it'll help you get better. I mean, that guy's got legitimate talent, but I, I could also I could also see Brandon Miller from Alabama. All the side news aside right now from him, that young man's going to come in the NBA and be a good player. He's going to be able to lift an, another club. He's going to be able to help you considerably with the talent that he has. He's absolutely going to be, I think, a potential star in the NBA. And I, I know, just like, as say that again, Matt? Oh, awesome. Good. Phones are working. Pleased to be joined now by your color analyst of your Washington Wizards, the great Glenn Consor. Glenn, our, our Terriers and midshipmen took heartbreaking defeats last night, and the season ends so abruptly. Uh, it's it's a little hard to take uh, it is. here, it you is. know? You know that. I know. I know. I'm bummed out about it, but 
you know, that's the nature of the game sometimes. I and, mean, you know, when you play in a one-bid one conference, it's real tough. No doubt about it. Last night, the Washington Wizards, Glenn, they're knocking on the door 500 again. You've seen this movie play out multiple times this year. How do they avoid the regression that has seemingly come every time they've started to knock on 500's door? They start to tantalize us and bring us back in uh, again. Uh, how do they avoid that this time? Because it looks like, again, starting to put together a, a nice flow of basketball again. Well, first, you got to hope that they'll stay healthy. You know, I think that uh, the times where they regressed, you know, important players were out. Um, and quite frankly, Monte Morris is a starting point guard. He's been out, um, but they've been able to kind of wither that storm. But, you know, I think, you know, when they play with a sense of urgency for 48 minutes, um, and I think that they're starting to realize they have to, you know, can they do it? Yes, they can. Um, and they're going to have to because, um, you know, for the most part, this team has been, you know, inconsistent, but, you know, shown flashes when the big three are out there that they could do some damage. So to me, you know, it's it's all about sustaining the energy, sustaining the aggressiveness, because you, you look at their team, and I even mentioned this to Dave Johnson last night in the beginning of the game. Toronto walks out. They got Siakam. They got Ananobi. They got Yaka Pertle. Uh, their uh, whole, uh, whole team, Van Vliet, they're, they're like fullbacks, maybe with the exception of Siakam. And the Wizards are, are not built that way. But that doesn't mean they can't play with physicality and aggressiveness. And that's what they've done over the last two games, two important pivotal games against Atlanta and Toronto. You know, it didn't matter that they were slight of body. They they were they played aggressive, and I think they're learning they have to play that way. It's a hell of a point. There's no doubt about it. Uh, that Toronto team is thick. Uh, and ironically, too, Glenn, I mean, the schedule right now for Washington gives them a chance to affect that head-to-head change. I mean, there's a lot of Atlanta uh, and Toronto uh, on the schedule, and what better way to affect change in the standings uh, then beat those teams yourself. I want to backtrack to the fourth quarter the other night against Atlanta. Uh, I, I hesitate to say because you've seen every quarter of every game, but mm-hmm. that fourth quarter and the play from Brad may have been, based on the time and the urgency of the game, one of his best quarters of basketball uh, this season. Happy for him that it occurred because his body has betrayed him uh, so much this year. But just watching him, seeing him do that, and maybe even for him, and I know he's played a long time, played a lot of games, but, but Glenn, even for that mental hurdle that, you know, hey, I can go take over a game if I have to, is still there. Just in your mind, how big was watching that and, and being around these guys and, and seeing him able to accomplish that right now? You know, it's funny. I talked to Brad a lot, and I even talked to him after that game. And, you know, he – I think Brad really – Brad has really made a, uh, a concentrated effort to um, get everybody involved this year. Um, you know, he's playing for the first time in his career with two 20-point-plus uh, scorers. So, you know, he wanted to get them involved. You know, it, it takes time to kind of figure out how to do that sometimes. And, you know, look, we've seen – Brad was, what, a couple of years ago, second-leading scorer in the NBA, mm-hmm. you know, 30 a game. You know, so we know it's in there. 
Um, but I think he's, you know, he has sacrificed a good portion of his game to make sure that, you know, Kuz and, and Porzingis and the rest get their shots. But I think he's starting to realize that, yeah, that, that is the case, which is what you, you saw and I saw, Pete. You know, it was his time to take over. And I think he, you know, he's probably probably not, you know, going to have to be in that mode for the Wizards to be successful. I mean, is that something that I, I, even at, at this point in Brad's career that Wes may have to kind of give him a nudge like, hey, man, you, it's okay to do this. And I, I understand the point you're making about the unselfishness uh, in his game uh, that has, you know, permeated at times when he's been able to play. But is that a case where even Wes has to nudge him a little bit and say, hey, big, big man, it's okay for you uh, no. to, to be no. selfish? It's no. just on Brad no. alone, you think? No, I don't think it's even on Brad. I think Brad, you know, assesses game situations. And, and you know, Brad, the thing that, that people don't realize about Brad is he makes basketball plays. And what I mean by that is if he's double teamed, he's giving it up. You know, if, if he goes to the basket and they, if someone comes from the weak side to double him, he will find, he will make the right pass. Yeah. So it's, it's not like he's, you know, he's, he's purposely not scoring just to let these guys score. You know, it's part of playing. So, you know, I, I always call it basketball plays, which means, you know, he just understands the timing of passes and, you know, and, and he, you know, he gets unfairly criticized with his turnovers, but he has the ball a lot. You know, all the great players in the NBA historically, you, you look at, you look at their numbers. Hey, this, you know, Lucas averaging whatever he averages 30 points a game, but he's also amongst the league leaders in turnovers. So is, so is everyone else. So, you know, but Brad, like Luca, makes basketball plays. So um, I, I think he's, he's doing it just to, because he understands the game. But, you know, I think in that Atlanta game, you know, everything was pointing to, hey, man, you know, Kuz wasn't, Kuz wasn't hot, Porzingis wasn't there. And he said, you know what, I got to do this. And I, I admire him for that. Every basketball team, Glenn, and every good one in particular, needs a DeLon Wright. That guy is the ultimate utility. And I know when people look at a box score, the first thing they look at is the PTS category. But, A, he does a lot of things that don't show up in the box score, particularly on-ball defense. But, B, last night, just a sensational job at getting the ball to the right people, right places with 11 assists uh, in the game. And I I think every good basketball team needs a player like him. Kind of tell people – uh, your appreciation for him and and the type of game that he plays that, again, a guy that makes a lot of winning basketball plays for a team. Yeah, exactly. That's the basketball play that I'm, I'm talking about. You know, he, first of all, he's, he's battle tested. He's experienced. And uh, ironically, we played, you know, the, the Raptors last night who he played for. And I just remember him doing those things against us. And, um, you know, that's the type of player he is. But, you know, last night he had 11 assists, no turnovers, none, zero. You know, I mean, every, all good decisions. Now he's going to make mistakes, but I think what separates him is, and what you don't see is he, he, he's kind of like a safety in football. You know, he's assessing what the quarterback's going to do. He's, you know, he's, he's reading it. He's anticipating it uh, two or three plays down the line. You know, he gets three steals a game. You know, but it's not just the steals. It's, it's you know, the, the, the deflections, you know, getting his hands in, in you know, in, in where the pocket pass is going to go. 
He's doing all the little things. He's a good on-ball defender, but he might be a better off-ball defender. Strangely enough, no doubt about it. Uh, Real quick, uh, great stretch coming up, obviously. Uh, A rematch with Toronto, then Milwaukee. Uh, Teams playing better at home, which is good. Uh, Detroit on the road, and then Atlanta again. As we said, it's a heck of a stretch coming up where they can really make some hay for themselves, move up uh, in the standings. Long as they stay healthy, how do you see this next stretch of games coming up uh, for them, where they've got a chance to really do some business for themselves? You know, it's it's really one game at a time. You know, but they can do some damage. I mean, based on you know the congestion that's in the Eastern Conference and the really in, in what I would call the play-in teams right yeah. now, which is Miami, Atlanta, Toronto, and the Wizards. You know, Wizards are making up games right now. They're, you know, they're they're moving up in that ladder. So uh, it is a chance to, to move up. And, you know, honestly, I mean, they've got to take it one game at a time, one strategy at a time, one, you know, matchups and all that stuff. I mean, I think things are coming together, and um, I'm just kind of keeping my fingers crossed that they all stay healthy. That's the key. But that's the key for every NBA team right now. Look at, look at L.A. You thought L.A. was going to turn the corner, and then, bang, LeBron goes down. Uh, real quick, everybody healthy. The best team you've seen in the NBA this year is? Oof. Um, I would say Celtics, Bucks, Denver. Like it. Appreciate it, sir. Appreciate you taking some time for us uh, this morning. And uh, you guys are going to be busy over the next few days. A lot of basketball coming up uh, for the Wizards and, all, of course, all the action right here on the Team 980. Glenn, appreciate the time this morning. Thanks, Pete. You got it. Glenn Consor joining us this morning. Color analyst with Dave Johnson. All the Wizards action you hear right here on the Team 980. Nice win over Toronto last night, 119-108. Kyle Kuzma with 30 points in the win. And, you know, Glenn brought up a good point, too. I mean, let's face it. You know, your better scorers have the ball in their hands a lot. And I know Wizards Twitter just gets apoplectic when Bradley Beal turns the ball over. And, and, and look – it's it's not as if Brad is trying to do that. Uh, I promise you, there's no he's not trying to do that on purpose. But you go look at the turnover totals of a guy like Luca in a game. Uh, you know, I mean, look, Luca sh- scores 42 last night. He and Embiid are just going at it uh, in, in that game last night between Dallas and Philadelphia. By the way, love the Dallas paint job on the court last night with the uh, logo that goes dates back to their uh, early days uh, there in Dallas. Love love the uh, throwback. Uh, Mavs uniforms, but guys that do have the ball a lot, and Glenn brought up a good point. This is the first time where Brad, in a while, has been able to, you know, make the right basketball play and trust that the other guys, for the most part, are going to be able to do something with it. This is as much help overall as he's had, you know, quite frankly, in terms of guys being able to finish if Brad passes out of a double team makes the right basketball play, gets the conversion at the end. It just, it's got to happen more often than not now because all the fans care about is winning. How many games are you winning? And right now this team is knocking on 500's door again with really the only, you know, game they're going to not be a favorite in will be Milwaukee coming up on Sunday. They'll be favored over the Raptors coming up tomorrow night. They'll be favored at Detroit coming up on Tuesday. They'll be favored at home against Atlanta coming up on Wednesday question is can they rise up and ascend in that favorites role and take care of their business because all year long this is when they have betrayed us 
the most. By the way, KD back with Phoenix. They are at Dallas in a national TV game coming up on Sunday. Can't wait to see KD Trey 5 and Mr. Booker run uh, so far. The opening act was pretty good. Can't wait to see some more of that as well. Why is basketball becoming MMA? A very disturbing trend this week. We'll talk about it next. Plus, coming up in Touchdown at 10, we'll have a football free-for-all. Whatever football topic you want, we're watching the combine. We're seeing these explosive defensive linemen all of a sudden out there. A football free-for-all coming up in Touchdown at 10 and more between now and noon right here on the Team 980, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. Shout out to the Howard University Bison. MEAC regular season champions. Got to go do it in the tournament, but at least now they're guaranteed a berth in the NIT at minimum. So postseason play coming up for the Bison. Congratulations, Coach Kenny Blakeney and his program. The last time they won a MEAC championship, 1987, the year I graduated high school. <laughs> that's how long it's been. And, and first of all, that's absurd that it's taken Howard that long to do that in basketball. There's no reason why the Bison shouldn't be a top player in the MEAC. Spectacular education. We're right in the middle of the heart of the greatest amateur basketball talent in the world. Right here. Just, uh, just do a 50 to 60 mile circle around Howard University, and there's no reason why. Even if you're getting that 1A to second tier of guys from this area that you can't play winning basketball in that league because that league has had programs that have not dedicated itself at all through the years. There's only been a handful, and Howard earned it against one of those programs last night. Coach Jones at Norfolk State has been a, a heavy hitter. They've been a major player, and Howard announced it with authority last night with a 20-point drubbing. They were up by more than that at one point. My man Matt Martucci was on the play-by-play. Good to hear him doing that game with the great Malcolm Huckabee last night over at Bird Gymnasium. Best of luck to the Bison coming up in the MEAC tournament. Basketball, though, I'm, I'm pissed off, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm really I'm very angry about what has transpired in the sport this week. Now, on the surface, everybody wants to talk, oh, this is machismo. No, this isn't all machismo. We had women get in a fight this week. We had Kentucky and Florida get in a, out, out, I mean, outright brawl, okay? Shot goes up, ball goes to the basket, girl for Kentucky kind of loses her balance, falls into the back of a, of a Florida player. She gets the ball out of the basket and instead of turning around to inbound the ball, she tries to fire it at the girl that fell into her. She missed by, like, half a city block, first of all. That was kind of funny. She missed the target by a wide margin. But then she went running after her. And this is, this, this is basketball. We're playing basketball here. Okay? We're competing. We're playing a sport. You know, we got Alabama and Auburn that, that get into it. I mean, it, earlier this year, we had TCU and GW's women get into it. 
I mean, what the hell is happening to this game? Why can't we just play basketball? Why can't we compete? I know everybody wants to. Everybody, I, I'm not even. I'm not naive enough to, you know, say like we do at the the youth league level, talking to them. Hey, let's go have some fun. I know you're competing. You're trying to win games. But there's no reason for some of the clown show stuff that we're seeing in this sport. Okay, I mean the 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 grassroots stuff we see in the summertime where people are punching referees, punching other coaches. I mean, it's just absurd that we can't play a basketball game right now without getting into a brawl. Now, I know these are, quote, isolated incidents in the amount of games that we're playing on a nightly basis, but this should never happen. Last night, SIU Edwardsville, and I forget who they are playing without pulling the, 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 the box score up. Guy for one team is walking up the court and doing this clown show act, leaning on another guy, and the other guy, instead of just running back on defense and getting away from him, punches him in the face. Now, A, the, there's three referees out there, okay? One of the referees could have seen this and could have called a technical foul on a guy that was doing the clown shoe, leaning on the other guy type stuff. Okay? Could have prevented that. Could have stopped that while it was happening, going up and down the court. But for the other guy to just haul off and punch him, and it was funny. Somebody on Twitter responded to me this morning and said, well, that guy looked like he had it coming. No! No! He should never get punched in the face. Never! Referee should tee him up, stop it, let's get on with the rest of the game. All you do at that point is get yourself thrown out of the game. You get teammates thrown out of the game because their first inclination is, oh, we got to run off the bench and go out there and defend our guy. You get thrown out of the game. Referees, in fact, as a result of this the other night, referees threw a girl out for one of the teams in that Kentucky-Florida game incorrectly. She was at the scorer's table ready to check in. They look at her standing up that area thinking she left the bench area and threw her out. So your asinine behavior gets another one of your teammates thrown out of the game. I mean, what are we doing right now? I mean, somebody explain this to me. And I know we got a lot of hoops-savvy people in this area. It was SIU Edwardsville and UT Martin, by the way. UT Martin ends up winning in the Ohio Valley Conference game. But the, the fact remains is, is why is this happening? I mean, once in a blue moon, yeah, I get it. You know, that, that happens. It's happening too frequently right now in this game. I mean, somebody help explain it to me. 301-230-0980. If you've got a great explanation for it that can – that can support this, I'm by all means all ears. I'm ready to listen because this is just embarrassing our game. You know, I, I put this out on Twitter the other day. I mean, basketball, you, people ask me all the time, what's your favorite sport to, to broadcast? My favorite sport to broadcast is basketball. I love this sport dearly. And it's obviously been tremendous for my family. Both of my sons played college basketball. One of them scored 1,000 points. Cody Joyce, look him up on Basketball Reference. 
Okay? It documented. 1,000 points. I think it's 1,052 or 1,048. Okay? It's free education. It's no money. My wife and I paid zero tuition money for him. Okay? So that sport has been gigantic for our family. It's enabled me to make a great living as a broadcaster. Would I like to make a little bit more? Sure. Hey, ESPN, I'm here in the fall. Let's talk. But the, the fact remains is the behavior in this game right now, someone who, as I, I've officiated it for 34 years, okay, I see more crazy stuff, and I have to do more preventive officiating now than ever before. And when I say preventive officiating, you know, kids talking, reaction, doing different things during the course of the game to try and get under the skin of a of another player. And look, I'm I, I played, okay? I'm a I'm an athlete. I'm competitive. I know the difference. When the, when that coach gets angry in a moment on a 50-50 foul, I'm not one of those referees that runs over there with my hands together ready to tee him up. I very rarely ever give technical fouls. Never I just don't do it. Because I understand in that moment somebody's going to be mad, somebody's going to love it. And as a competitor, you got to give that guy or that gal who's coaching or playing that moment because they're going to certainly be frustrated in that moment on a 50-50 call. I get it. I get it. I'll talk to you. I'm willing to explain what I saw to you and, and get your side of the story. But at, there are people that are not like me out there. There are referees that are locked and loaded, ready to tee you up, throw you out. Baseball umpires. I mean, baseball umpires are even more egotistical sometimes than basketball referees. You think Ted Valentine is egotistical. By the way, Ted Valentine, one of the best referees in America. You ask college basketball coaches if their life depended on it, who would be one of the three guys they'd pick to referee their game? I guarantee you 75% of them would say Ted Valentine, and it would shock you. Yeah, does Ted have a little theatrics sometimes in his calls and his mechanics? Sure. But in terms of judgment, Ted Valentine is spot-freaking-on out there on the basketball court. Coaches would put their contract in his hands refereeing a big game. Many of you as fans look at that, oh, Ted Valentine, how? How could they do that? So, so sometimes as officials, we have to talk players and coaches off the ledge from doing stupid things out there. Somebody please explain to me why it has to get to that level. Why are we watching, you know, guys and gals fight out there right now on the basketball court? And don't give me it's, oh, they're competing. Don't give me that. If I'm a competitor, I get the ball out of the basket and I go down to the other end and I either try to dunk on their rear end or I try to score so my team wins the game because ultimately that's the biggest FU to the other team is going to beat them. Beat them. Kick their rear end. That's how you give the other team the biggest FU in this situation. So I, I give you ample opportunity. I, I'll give you ample opportunity in, in this next segment. At 301-230-0980 before we transition to football in touchdown at 10. Somebody please explain it to me. I'm all ears. Just like I, just like I am as a referee, I'm all ears. 
I'm willing to listen to you as long as you keep it respectful and professional. I'm cool with that. Got no problem. But I can't can't fathom why we're fighting out there. Can't fathom it. Can't fathom why a girl stumbles into the back of another one. The girl takes the ball out of the basket and tries to throw it at her head. Why? What are you doing? You're being selfish. You're killing your team in a situation like that. And I think, ironically, the other day, you know, I think the girl from Florida got thrown out. A couple others got thrown out. Kentucky ended up winning a game. So here you are at the SEC tournament at your conference's biggest, you know, party of the season, and you are now the fool. You're the one that people are whispering about going through the hotel lobby. Oh, that's the girl that threw the ball at her. And not only that, not only that are they killing you for getting in a fight, they're killing you and laughing at you because your throw to try and hit her in the face missed by a half a city block. Okay? Missed by half a city block. You know, Coach McCaffrey at Iowa, what are we doing? What are we doing, friend? Look, I know Kelly Pfeiffer is not the best referee. But but why why are we doing this stupid stare down in the middle of the floor? Because you know what's going to happen now, Fran? There's going to be some high school coach, or God forbid, yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen, my guy G from the shop can attest to this. There's going to be some youth league coach that's now going to stand there and stare at the referee just like Fran McCaffrey did last week. And you know what? My guy G is going to give him ish from the crowd. I know it. I know it. I see the highlights of watching watching his kid play. I know G from the shop is going to let that coach know about it. He's going to tell him to stand down in so many words. But what, when Fran McCaffrey does that, he looks like a complete jackass. And, and ironically, through the years, ironically, through the years, Fran, Fran, it's like Fran is bipolar on the sidelines. He gets absolutely apoplectic. And what gets lost in the shuffle of that is Fran McCaffrey's actually a pretty good basketball coach. He's a very good basketball coach. But half the time and half the college fat basketball fan base outside of Iowa City thinks Fran McCaffrey's this gigantic jackass because of what we saw last week. So here we have coaches talking to players about their behavior and how they have to play with character. We recruit kids of character. We need you to play with great character in this culture. Well, here's the coach. Here's the coach being the jackass, not being the man of character that they talk about having to recruit for their program. When you come play for us, we need you to be a high-character guy. That's great. Well, guess what? If the guy at the top is not a high-character guy and then the other jabronis on the team start acting like fools, well, guess what? We understand why it happens because the guy at the top is setting the poor example. And as I said, the thing that sucks the most is because I talk college basketball with fans 
everywhere. Their biggest conception about Fran McCaffrey is that he's this gigantic jackass. What they never talk about is the guy is actually a pretty good basketball coach. And to me, if I'm Fran McCaffrey, that would really piss me off. That would really upset me because I'm pretty good at my craft, but nobody talks about me in my craft. All they talk about is incidents like last week where he does this stare down with Kelly Pfeiffer. Now, if Kelly Pfeiffer hits him with a second technical and throws him out, then Kelly Pfeiffer gets a crap load from his assigner and director of officiating in a, in a situation like that. Even though, even though we could defend a second technical very easily because he's clearly committing unsportsmanlike conduct in a situation like that. Yeah, he's not saying anything, but he's standing six feet away and staring, you know, right in his eyes. I mean, it's just it's just foolish behavior from the person that is supposed to be your fearless leader out there. And the guy, when he came into your living room to recruit you, said, hey, we want to recruit guys of high character here. We need you to be that high character guy. And yet the coach is not the high character guy. It's just really disturbing to watch what's happening in our game right now because you know what? We should be talking about the great players playing our game, executing in our game, putting on shows every night in our game at the high school level. We should be talking about Coach Behan and what's happening at St. John's College. Here's a guy that's taking ALS and kicking it right in the ass and winning the WCAC title with his team against an amazing Paul the Sixth Club. And what happens? What happens? Instead of being pissed off they lost the game the other night, you heard what Kim English said. Glenn Farello and his coaches and his kids, yeah, they're upset they lost, but they couldn't have been greater from a sportsmanship standpoint in that situation to the kids from St. John's and to their coach who's battling ALS. That's what we should be talking about. That's why Scott Van Pelt put it out there for the whole world to see the other day. That's the kind of stuff that our game should be all about. Because the kids from Paul VI got ten times more respect from losing a game the other night than some teams get from winning it. Yeah, Iowa came back and won that Michigan State game. But guess what? A week later, the only highlight we're seeing, and we saw it on SportsCenter again last night, was Fran McCaffrey staring at the damn referee. We've forgotten about Iowa's great comeback in that game. We forgot about the great comeback, the great effort from the kids that they showed in that game because we're spending too much time talking about the coach being a jerk. We got some calls. We'll take them next. 301-230-0980. It's Russell and Medhurst, me going solo on a Friday morning right here on the Team 980, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. Here's what's trending. All right, conference tournament action underway already. And last night, American University, the seven seed, back at Johnny O'Neill and Matt Rogers, and a gigantic three late from Connor Nelson. They knock off Navy by a count of 52 to 51. They will advance to play at Lafayette, who was an upset winner over the three seed Lehigh. So the two seed and the three seed out in the Patriot League tournament. Meanwhile, Howard University wins its first outright MEAC title since 1987. They drubbed Norfolk State by 20 at home 
last night. UCLA wrapping up the Pac-12, dominating performance over Arizona State last night by a count of 79-61. to The Wizards in the win column last night. They beat Toronto. They're back to within two games of the 500 mark with another game with the Raptors coming up on Tuesday before the Bucks come in on Wednesday. And that's a look at what's trending on the Team 980, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. Coming up at 10.30, our Odyssey Legal Insider, Amy Dash, joins us. We'll talk Dan Snyder. We'll talk Jalen Carter. What kind of issues does he really have in this car accident situation with the charges that were filed this week and that he already answered to by reporting to Athens and then being able to get back to the combine yesterday. Bryce Young this morning. At the interview podium, there was only about 600 people in front of his podium. Uh, They were, everybody's asking, hey, how tall are you? How much weight have you gained? And all that other stuff. Talk about all those things coming up in Touchdown at 10. And we'll open it up to you, all of your football questions uh, available in Touchdown at 10. We haven't really done an open forum football top call-in topic because of all of the Dan Snyder and Commander stuff here of late. So we'll give you a chance to rap about that how about the explosive defensive lineman yesterday running four three forties that's what i'm talking about another guy from georgia did that three one two three oh basketball what the hell's the matter okay we got some people right now that are trying to undermine our sport and the again in the grand scheme of how many basketball games we play a day in this country boys and girls youth high school college and pro The percentage I know in the grand scheme is low, but the microscope that it gets is incredibly high. Incredibly high. Because we can't get Fran McCaffrey off our TV screen doing a cheesy stare down late in the game with a referee. It was on the not-so-top ten a week later. A week later. Okay? We had another fight last night. Southern Illinois player punching a guy. So, I mean, what the heck is going on? Let's go to the phones. Get your thoughts on it. Somebody help explain it to me. Taj Wilson with a great uh, tweet, by the way. Part of the issue is young kids don't know how to compete or socialize. They're always to themselves on the phone, working out alone with specialist coaches, et cetera, et cetera. So when a kid is giving them work or competing hard, some can't handle it. Taj, 100% right. 100% right. Because guess what? When Johnny or Joni is at home being protected by mom and dad, okay, when they're, when they're at home being protected by mom and dad, telling them how great they are, there's nobody competing with mom and dad. It's just like when I spoke at Hayfield last week. State championship caliber program. Okay, those players get it. They understand the competitive level. But it's like when coaches talk about communicating and and their team's lack of doing it, I pull out my cell phone and say, you know what? That's because they can't text their teammates saying, hey, you were supposed to rotate over there and get that guy. No, you can't do that. Let's go to line one. Charlie in College Park gets us going. What's up, Charlie? Good morning, Pete. Good morning. Um, I think it's a like a lot of issues. It's a multi-pronged thing. 
part of it is, and maybe a small part, is officials. And officials make it clear to coaches, make it clear to teams, if a game starts to get out of control or they can feel a game, you know from extensive experience in basketball, you get the coaches together or whatever and you make it clear. This needs to stop, control your players, or there's going to be teased. And coaches can do with that what they want. The second, maybe the biggest part is, equally as big as the other thing I want to talk about, is the pressure in sports. You know the pressure that these, these kids, no matter what the level is in college and pros, you're under tremendous pressure to compete. You're fiery. That's what makes them the great athletes they are. But I have to go back to Vince Lombardi because he's my idol. Play with discipline. Play, play within yourself. If a player did something like what you're talking about now, they would be gone. They wouldn't be sitting down. They would have been gone. That Lombardi was a martinet, and people didn't like him for that. But you know what? His team loved him, even though he was harsh, because he was in control, and they won with that system. They trusted him. You know, I'm in control. If you do this, you're going to sit or you're going. If a player does something like this, you're sitting. Or you're going to miss three games. Well, you can't do that. I'm going to lose my job. Well, you know, you can't do that in college. The hell you can't. I worked with special kids for 43 years in Washington with major behavioral problems. And one of the facets we taught them was you are responsible for your behavior. We did it gently. We did it to fit the individual needs of the child. But basically there are consequences for your behavior. If you do something well, you'll succeed. You feel good about yourself. If you act out, if you cuss, if you hit, if you destroy things, there are consequences. I understand about the pressure of young athletes, and they're tremendous people. I was an athlete myself. You are responsible for what you do. Play within yourself, or you'll sit, or you're gone. Charlie, appreciate it. You got it. Appreciate appreciate the call. And, and, And you're exactly right. Give you a great example. Okay, here's what's happening in college basketball, even in high school basketball now, because especially in the private school community. All right, I watched a player at Navy, Daniel Deaver, get benched in a game earlier this year. Leading scorer on the team, okay? So the coach, the coach holding him accountable. He's the best player on the team, the best scorer on the team. Played 20 minutes in a game. He normally plays 35. What happened in the next 13 games from that player? Did he say... F you, coach. I'm going to the transfer portal. Nope. Team won 10 of the next 13. He scored double figures in every game after that. Scored double figures every game after that. Why? Because he got the message. He understood. Coach was holding him accountable. Coaches aren't allowed to hold people accountable anymore because mom or dad or the handlers or the AAU coaches say, oh, that's all right. We'll just transfer to the other school. We'll just put our name in the portal. That comes back. That comes back to what Taj said about kids not not competing, not understanding accountability. What happens in life? You get you graduate. You know you go to your fancy college. You go out and you get a job, and then you stop showing up at your job because your job is infringing on your lifestyle. Your job is infringing on your life. Taking, taking things away from you. Oh, I don't have as much free time as I, I once had. Well, I want to I wanna go out with my friends on a Tuesday night and not have to wake up at 7 o'clock on a Wednesday morning. What do you mean I've got to come to work? What do you mean I've got to be there? What do you mean you fired me for not showing up at work? But I'm, I'm, I'm Susie Walnuts. I'm a Ivy League grad. I've got a master's degree in this. What do you mean you fired me for not coming to work? 
It's all part of the accountability and what is being lost and the ability of those in authority to enforce that. Got plenty of calls here. We're going to stay with this. We're going to stay with this for right now because I think it's a great topic. Charlie brought great uh, thoughts to get us going on it. We'll stay with it. 301-230-0980. It's Russell and Medhurst. We're off and rolling. Two more hours to go. First hour already in the books. My goodness. What a fast first hour right here on the Team 980, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. 